Welcome to another episode of Behind the Dreamers. I'm Jennifer Loading, and we are talking to the achievers, the creators, the magic makers, and the dreamers. These are our friends, these are your friends, and they are living the extraordinary. Well, my guest today says he has built, led, and grown sales organizations for 30 plus years, from Fortune 500 companies to mom and pop organizations. He says he and his team have never not achieved objectives in all his years, and that comes from mastering one thing, differentiation. So we're going to talk about that today. But before I bring him on, we got to do a shout out to our sponsors. So today's episode is brought to you by Walt Mills Photography. If you are a creator needing post-production, consultation, or promotion, Walt Mills is your guy. Whether short films, YouTube films, photography work, or a new headshot, Walt Mills can help you find a solution to match your needs. To learn more about Walt and his work, you're going to want to go to photosbywalt.com. We also want to give a shout out to our friend Chris Clough of Upbeat Media Productions. If you are in need of turnkey special event production, Clough is your go-to. You can learn more about him and his work at upbeatmediapro.com. All right, it is time to welcome our guest. So Patrick Kagan has been in the print and media world for 30 plus years, always with a strong reputation, focused on consultative relationships and collaborative results. He has worked in various roles from president to national sales for companies such as Procter & Gamble and Hewlett Packard. He is the president of PK Solutions Group, a marketing agency, an internationally renowned podcast host, business coach, and author of Sell the Difference, the ultimate guide to increase sales, profits, and customer satisfaction through the art of differentiation. Welcome to the show, Patrick. We are super excited to have you here today. And so I want to start off by talking about this thing, differentiation, because I mentioned that twice in the opening, and you're saying that that is the thing that is setting you apart and helping your clients have success. So let's start right there. Yeah. And, and before I do, I wanted to just uh, give a shout out to you and, and, and how much I love the name of your podcast, Behind the Dreamers. And I think that everybody who's listening has this goal of being um, successful and building abundance, and they started out with a dream. So I love the fact that you try to get behind the scenes with those that have I've been there before, and I'm very honored and humbled to be one of your guests. So thank you for having me. And yeah, differentiation is, I think, an overlooked uh, asset that we all have the capability of doing. It's the number one most important skill any person can have, any person who interfaces with a client can have. It's also the number one most overlooked skill in terms of professional development. So I brought with me today a quote, I want to read it to you, that says, you will never be able to do anything better unless you can manage to do it differently. And that's really an important place to start because if you think about how humans learn, we learn a lot through modeled behavior. In other words, you show me how to do it and I go do it. You could actually learn bad habits and go repeat those bad habits and show those bad habits to others around you. So you may end up learning to actually do things the same as others and you believe you're you're actually doing things differently so differentiation uh, by definition it is actually defined as the act of creating a set of meaningful differences to distinguish one from another and i want you to think about that that definition it's all choice based it's all action based so the act and create and meaningful and most importantly distinguish so if we start there 
and you think about differentiating, let's say in a sales capacity, many of us, when we talk to our clients and they ask questions like, why should I do business with you? We talk about our years of service, our credentials. We use 100% recycled products. We're a leader in ISO 9000 ratings. We use our credentials. We use our years of service, et cetera, et cetera. Well, everybody else is doing the same thing. So we use things that we think are unique to distinguish ourselves, but they're really what I call comparability factors, things that if you wanted to, you could compare to everybody that came behind you and everyone that went before you, and you all sound the same. It's kind of like being on a Zoom meeting and being on mute. It's meaningless, right? But distinguishability. So distinguishability is what is unique about you and not just you, but what you and your solutions are relative to your client's problems and the pain they feel. If they have pain and you can identify that pain and distinguish between that's a symptom of something or that is the something, then they'll listen to you. And I'll give you a great example. When I was in the military and I was a soldier, we were behind enemy lines and we were sleeping in these modified tents in a tropical area. And believe it or not, the most dangerous part of that whole mission were all the mosquitoes all around us at nighttime. We have to maintain silence and integrity of our mission. And yet we're being pestered by tons of mosquitoes and we're swatting and we're trying different things and we can't spray things because that makes noise and that has an odor and that would attract the enemy. We kept thinking maybe we should light a heat tab because it doesn't give off light and it might create heat or something that makes the mosquitoes uncomfortable. But then we realized night vision goggles will actually see a heat tab, so you can't do that. So we said, well, we just have to suck it up. We'll cover up. We'll get so hot and uncomfortable we can't take it. We'll uncover, and then the mosquitoes will attack us, and we'll go through this all night, but that's what we have to do. Until somebody who is newest to our platoon, just a young private, meaning new to the military altogether, looked up and saw a hole in the screen in the tent and took a piece of duct tape and covered it. Problem solved. It was unique. It was seeing the whole picture. It was distinguishability. And from that point on, I guess what we did, we carried duct tape with us everywhere. So duct tape isn't always the answer. But when you translate that, obviously, into a business world, it is looking at the whole picture. It is seeing what others can't see and questioning things like, you say your sales are down, Mr. Customer or Mrs. Customer. Let's, let's explore that. Is that a problem? What problems does that cause? How did that happen? What other departments does this impact? And you start looking at the whole picture, you come back with things that maybe nobody else took a look at. So um, comparability is unfortunately the landmine that we all step on. We all tend to say things that are comparable to everybody else. And then we end up wondering why we aren't getting sales. Right. I like that. And something that you said, I kind of, I feel like I just, because I've been working with this mentor and I feel like I've kind of had some of these conversations and you were talking about, you know, finding your customer's needs. And I heard something the other day that was really good, like how you eat your customer's complexities, mm -hmm. like, right. Like how you make yourself different by taking their complexities and making them easier, right. To set yourself apart. So I like this. And I, and I think you're, you're right because I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and, you know, when you're talking to them, it's like, you know, the question is, how are you different from, say, you know, Joe, the realtor over here, or Joe, the insurance agent, or the financial planner, you know, because we know, we know, no, we know lots of these people that do these industries, right? right. It's like, how do you become different from your competitor? And they do, they want to do the same thing, because they think the other person's having success. So they want to do the same thing that the other person is doing that's having the success. 
but they already have the success. You're not going to get the same amount by copying what they're doing. Right. So you have to be different. Right. Right. Well, and that's so true. And and, the, and part of that is be willing to look at what is described to you as the problem they're going through, or maybe they don't even know they have a problem, but be willing to look at that as a symptom of a greater problem. Um, and you yeah. need to really, uh, you know, change the conversation from why would we do business with you to a solutions-based approach of presenting options. And the conversation then shifts to why haven't we been doing business with you all along? I call that the Jiminy Cricket effect. And you think of Pinocchio, the story of Pinocchio. And Jiminy Cricket was the wise conscience that always told the truth, always asked the tough questions, and was always there making you think. So what I want for my customers to go through is this metamorphosis where they go from staying awake at night, worried about the problems they have in their business, to then at night, all they can think about is these solutions that Pat has offered me, and why haven't I been doing business with him all along? And that's, that's a really, really unique perspective, and it's hard to get there. Uh, and there's what I call the four disciplines of differentiation. And I, I wrote a book called Sell the Difference. The whole book is built on the, these, four, these four disciplines. The first, and I don't promote hate at all, so it's just a word I use to get the point across, but hate your pain so much on the inside that you're willing to do something positive on the outside to change it. And a great example is that when in putting together this book, I talk to a lot of folks, thousands of hours of interviews, and there are military veterans I talk to about prisoner of war status. And some folks had the approach of, I have hope. Hope keeps me going. I, I imagine my family. I imagine seeing my wife again. I imagine seeing my kids again. I imagine seeing my friends again. That hope will help me hang on for another day and another day and another day, and I'll outlast this situation and I'll get back to my, my, my life I want. The other scenario was I hate this so much that I'm willing to do anything to escape this pain. Now, both strategies, maintain hope or escape, are correct strategies, but they're different mindsets. So the first, the first um, uh, um, discipline is hate your pain so much on the inside that you do something positive on the outside. Hate losing sales over and over again so much. Hate losing revenue opportunities. Hate your commissions being unpredictable so much that you're willing to do something about it. You're going to develop a profile of what your ideal customers are, and you're going to develop a profile of what an ideal salesperson is, and you're going to compare yourself to that, and you, you're going to find areas you don't measure up. But that's the discipline you have to be willing to do is hate your pain so much that you're willing to change. The second is I, I tell people, inspect what you expect. And really what that, I, I kind of modify the words to introspect what you extrospect. So whatever you expect to see in the outside world, you got to check yourself. I expect to see my income grow. Is it growing by the changes I've made? Many people, they understand the word differentiation. It's like understanding the word curveball. I understand curveball. I just don't have the discipline to sit and practice and do it and throw a curveball. But I understand a curveball. Well, I understand I want different results, but am I willing to do what it takes to get that? And you have to look at, as a salesperson or a sales leader, you have to look at the person you think you are, the person you really are, and the person the client thinks you are. That takes a lot of courage, and it's very humbling to go through that. But if you want to have that 
step one, the, the discipline number one happened, hate what you have going on so much that you're willing to change. You have to be willing to go inside, look at what you are inside and change it on the outside and check yourself. Then the third discipline is to act daily. Do this every single day. The practice of differentiation starts when you wake up. Don't grab your smartphone. Don't look at your calendar. Start with how am I going to differentiate in the world? Because really, differentiation means I am unique. And if I'm unique, I'm the only place you can go to get what you need, Mr. and Mrs. Customer. And not only will you buy from me today, but as I switch industries, you'll bring me with. As you move up your career, you'll bring me with. But I have to practice daily. And then the last thing is patience. It's not natural. It's more natural to follow the model behavior. Do what my manager does because he's my manager or she's my manager, and that's what they do. But have patience. It is painful. It's like fixing a golf swing or fixing a tennis swing. It doesn't feel right, and it's very easy to go back to old habits, but your game never improves. Sure. This is good. Okay, so, yeah, thank you for uh, explaining all that. That's good, and I agree with you on all those points, so yeah. thank you for sharing that. I think that, yeah, that that making yourself different is a tough thing for a lot of people. Like I said, they want to follow what everybody does because they think those people are having the success, and you can't compete with the people that are already there. You've got to figure out how to be different and compete with the people that are doing wrong and, and, right. and get it to where a place where your client looks at you and says, you have what I need. Nobody else has that. You're the person that has what I need. That's all the, you know, it's, it's almost like I talk about conversion and selling. You know, I heard this from a mentor as being a little bit different. They're very subtle, but they're a little bit different because the conversion is really the belief revision. It's how you're convincing your client that what you have, nobody has, that you are their, their source, their provider, whatever that is. And then when you present the product or the offer, that's that selling piece. And it should be superfluous if you've already done enough conversion, if you've already done enough, you know, getting them to believe why they need to be working with you, mm -hmm. then this selling piece is really not so difficult any longer. That's absolutely correct. And really in, in, in everybody's job, whether or not you're in the role of sales or sales leadership, or you could be in accounting, you could be in executive leadership, whatever it is, everything speaks. And if we live in the world where everything speaks, then what you do speaks louder than what you say. And so I use that example because I can lie to your face and my words are lies. But what I do, even when no one's looking, which is called integrity, that's the truth. So actions are truth. And, and if, you're, if you're creating that environment, then you have really cool things open up. You're, what you're doing is you're building abundance around you. I just had a question on another interview where somebody said to me, what's your definition of success? And, and I hear that question quite a bit. And I think people are looking for like wealth and lots of money and customers and things like that. And I'm like, my definition of success has to do with building abundance around me. Mm -hmm. Now, abundance to me has nothing to do with wealth. Abundance has to do with the happiness within myself, my family, those that I choose to be in my circle of friends and those that choose to keep me in their circle of friends and my mm -hmm. customers. And so when I'm selling in an industry or leading salespeople in an industry where we sell industrial chemicals, so you think of big, heavy equipment for manufacturing, and that equipment, if it breaks down, that company is dead in the water. And my company's products are preventive maintenance, and they we keep them going. We solve problems. That's great. Then I switch industries. I go over to Hewlett-Packard. 
Well, that has nothing to do with industrial chemicals and big heavy equipment. That has to do with um, you know, optimizing workplace environment, printers that are efficient and secure, toner, all that stuff. Well, why is it my customers who work in the industrial area, when they hear about my career change, find a way to bring me over and introduce me to the right people in the technology area? It's because I differentiated myself and they said, this guy is about solutions. He'll back it up with what he does. You'll see. And, and so that's what happens is you go through this transformation as a salesperson. And really what happens is when you differentiate, you co-elevate everybody. The buyer side is co-elevated. They can count on you. The seller side is co-elevated. You start to make more money. Um, and, and everything that I talk about, I'm not teaching people how to get rich quick. This is not get rich quick. You will get rich. That's a byproduct. But you'll get better. And you'll build abundance. And you have better relationships professionally and personally. And that's really what it's all about. Awesome. Well, you brought up a word in there, solutions, and that just triggered me. We got to talk about that. So tell us what PK, tell us what this, this PK solutions, tell us what you guys do over there. So yeah, my company um, it is founded on, um, I call it solutions. So there are print solutions and there are business consulting solutions. Um, and so Print solutions have to do with, you know, again, everything speaks. So I, we do large format print. So you see the logo behind me here, the wall graphics, window graphics, vehicle graphics. But you just can't slap a logo up just to put a logo up or you can't do something that's a message to your audience without really thinking through what will that say? Who will it speak to? Again, pictures are worth a thousand words. So we do solutions oriented uh, discovery and, and implementation and final product. On the consulting side, I work with individuals and small businesses. I don't venture into places like Hewlett Packard, I talked about, the, the larger organizations. I can work with a company that's, let's say, under you know, 20 million or under. And I would probably prefer, if I'm truthful, probably 5 million or less in sales. Because you get a company who's making about 5 million in sales and you impact half a million dollars in their bottom line, that, that man, that is the best thing in the world for them. They love it. But a place like HP, they, they wouldn't notice that. Um, so I work with smaller companies as well as individuals. So Jennifer comes to me and says, you know, Pat, I, I want in my career to be personally better at my professional ladder that I'm trying to climb. I want to get to the C-level of executives. And I'm struggling, and I can't help myself because I'm in too close. I care too much. It's too personal to me. Can you help me from the outside with that challenge. And of course, that's something I love to take on. And we usually find that um, the, the different way I might look at what your goal is, is very helpful. And you come up with maybe that one or two things that you're doing good that you suddenly become great at, and it might be the difference maker. Um, so I work that way with folks and it works really, really well. And I'm sure that the two can kind of collide a little bit, too, because you're helping the businesses get better, you know, the entrepreneur or the, or the owner get better. But then there's also these other solutions. If they need that, you can kind of fill that in, too. So very good. Yeah. Very good. So I kind of want to go back a little bit because we are behind the dreamers. Right. We right. talked about I love that the, all the, you know, the <laughs> the talk about the differentiation and those four tips that, you know, you gave that that fit in with that. And, um, but I do kind of want to talk about the inspiration, you know, what led to this, because I think that's kind of, you know, I always feel like the story is what people want to know. They want to know why yeah. you do what you do, you know, what yeah. got you there. So yeah. let's back this up a little bit because you have worked with, you know, lots of companies, you know, Procter Gamble, we talked about, I said that in the intro, the Hewlett Packard, you know, so tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind PK Solutions. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I've always um, sort of ventured or leaned on that entrepreneurial um, drive within me, um, and and I've always enjoyed it. But I did grow up uh, in very humble beginnings. Um, you know, not a lot of money uh, to go around. Sometimes we had a hard time making th- you know, ends meet when I was a when I was a child. And I knew I wanted more than that, and I wanted to have I wanted to have stability, I guess, in my life. Um, so I was one of the first in my family to get a college education. I had to join the military to to pay for college, um, and that was important to me. I saw that as a way to get away from let's just call it the the humble lifestyle that I had. I didn't need to be rich, but I definitely didn't want to worry about paying my bills or buying groceries. One of the two, um, and so. Uh, I, I I found myself, you know, going to school, but then having to be involved in extracurriculars and, and learn more from the outside world and take on leadership roles and get really good exposure that way. And that led to um, lots of achievements. And I bring that up not as a bragging point, but as a caution to a lot of the entrepreneurs that are out there who are just like me, probably high achievers in their own area. And what I did learn from that, you know, 30 years looking back, being a high achiever is really good to get you through those tough points when you just need to plow through and you need to get it done and you need to you know get to that next level. But it can work against you when you need to be patient with others and collaborate, and it forms this impatience about the process. And so, so part of my lesson that I learned is that while I want more, this is a world where we all collaborate, and you need to work with everybody at their skill level whether they're below you, whether they're at your level, or whether they're above you, you have to find a way to work together and, and get to that, that common ground. So, you know, what got me to here and having my own business was this entrepreneurial drive. I took careers for the stability standpoint. I worked for corporate America. Having a paycheck was very safe. Being an entrepreneur, the, the other side of that coin is you're unemployed. <laughs> right. and, and the other side of that coin is you're wildly successful and so you yeah. have to have the stomach for that. You have to say, look, mm-hmm. I got to weather the bad times. When I first started my own business, uh, it was in the fall of 08. So if you remember that time, the economy stopped. It didn't yeah. stall. It stopped. And an employer let me go. And people weren't hiring. And I was at a high enough level that they weren't going to hire my level because they could barely stay open themselves. I started my own business. Mm. And I think I went nine months before I got my first pay check, my first revenue stream that came in. How do people go nine months without any money coming in? And here's the here's the part about that that was so enlightening to me. All those years that I was climbing the corporate ladder, air quotes, doing well, I never felt like I had enough money or enough of anything. And then suddenly when I'm let go at a moment's notice, I have no money coming in. I have more than I ever wanted. I, I, had, I had more. I made it. It was fine. Everything worked out. So your expectations can lead to outcomes, but your expectations can get you lost along the way too. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, thank you for sharing that. I always think this is the fun part, you know, when we when we find out the background about people and why they're doing what they're doing, the inspiration, because I really feel like, you know, something I heard many years ago in my network marketing days was that nobody cares what you do until they know why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing that. Well, coming from the corporate, you said some, you know, really good things about 
you know, having the stability and the security and then all of a sudden you're broke. And I think, yes, being an entrepreneur every day is day one. You start over and it's just day one again because you're always thinking in a different perspective. But the beauty, I think, of also being an entrepreneur is that you have that freedom, that autonomy to to call the shots, work it the way you want, work within your core values. And I agree with what you said, even about being a leader and how you get very impatient and you want things done, you know, and and you do have to learn to collaborate and be, yeah. you know, if you want to if you want to move. I mean, it just it works better if you can learn to get along with others <laughs> and yeah. be patient. Yeah, right? you have to play nice in the sandbox. You're exactly right. Yes. And I can totally resonate with what you're talking about because this is a, a common thing I have to find myself. Sometimes it's so much easier just to do than explain. Right. I don't have time to explain it. I can get it done, you know? Right, right. So I get it. So good stuff, good stuff. What do you feel like, you know, we talked to, like you, you mentioned moving from corporate, you know, to the entrepreneur space, but what do you feel like has been maybe the most challenging thing, you know, getting this up and running? You've been at it for a while. So what mm -hmm. do you feel like was maybe that most difficult thing you had to do to get this going? Yeah, the the challenge, um, and I don't know if it was the most difficult thing, but I, I would say it's the it's the constant challenge, so it doesn't go away, is to sure. always be answering for yourself: Am I solving a problem for somebody? Yes or no. If yes, mm. who is that somebody? Who owns that problem? Who has that pain? And then, does my solution solve that pain? So. I, and I run into folks all the time who tell me, I, you know, I, I just I can't take my job. I want to start my own company. I, I built a website. You know, I got a name of my company. I got a name of the. I'm even going to call my product this. And they haven't once answered, does somebody really have a problem that you're solving? Does somebody really have some pain? Or So they get out of order. They get a little ahead of themselves. And that's why a lot of folks fail in business is they'll get the name of their company in their mind. They'll get the name of their product in their mind. They'll build this website, but they haven't defined the market. Who is it that actually mm -hmm. has that pain? How severe is that pain? Now, are there people solving that problem? That's okay if there are. Competition is good. That means there's a valid okay. market. How will I be different? How will I be what they choose? Because, listen, if price is your only difference, you might as well go out of business. Right. A monkey can lower their price, right? Anybody could beat you for a lower price. But if you're unique, if you can distinguish yourself, and even in my book, I put together a couple of really good examples, some really, I, I call it practical inspiration because it's the things that I give you are very easy to remember. And if you can remember, you can repeat. And if you can repeat it, you can scale it, right? But it's inspirational because it's true to life stories of things that have happened. And I put together, for those that are analytical, uh, a really nice graph that I call the, the differentiation curve. And I put it together from the sales perspective, and then I put it together from the buyer's perspective. So you have two of these differentiation curves. And when you overlap them, you can see where the gaps are. And when you take mm -hmm. your own situation, you say, okay, customer ABC, here's this person. They value what I do very little, and I'm differentiating a lot. So where does that put me, and what is that going to be the outcome? And probably that's what your outcome is or will be. And then when you look at the customer's perspective, in, in a lot of my interviews, I talk to the procurement side of, of things, and most every one of the purchasing or buying professionals told me, I wish every salesperson would ingest your book and, and make this part of their DNA. Because if a salesperson does not know their own value and cannot distinguish what makes them valuable compared to the others, then I will tell them their value, and I'll usually take whatever they say and I'll cut it down to one-tenth. 
So I'm going in saying, geez, Jennifer, I've got this million dollar savings I'll provide you. And that customer is going to say, well, I'll tell you what, I know the market. It's not a million dollar savings. It might be $100,000. And I'll do this and I'll buy this and I'll buy this. And they sound like they know more. But really, what it is, is they know you're not doing your job and they're fed up. And you might take that deal and feel really good, but you might have had a hundred, hundred or a million dollar solution that you just didn't know how to differentiate yourself. Mm, that's good. Yeah. So it's got to be something that's practical and inspirational. If you have an inspired sales force, you can't touch them. They're unbeatable and they don't have to be the best. They just have to be different. Different is better than best. Something's coming to mind as you're talking about this. And I heard about the research in there. That's that was I was picking up on that, knowing your market. Right. But something I saw and I know I'm going to butcher this. It was in it's in the program that I've been working on because we talked about this. A lot of this contextual, you know, using context to do conversion and all that revision belief and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember what this company was or where it was, but it was like this restaurant. And one one night they had where you could come in and get a discount. It was like that you could get like 10 percent off your meal. The next night they had something where there was going to be like this different experience. Like you were going to get something. Um, I don't know if they were going to give you. I can't remember all the details, but what was interesting about that concept was that, you know, the night that they get, they did the discount, uh, they had some people show up, but the night that they created this like environment or whatever this was, they had people lining up out the door to get into this place, this restaurant. Right. right. And there was so many things, but I think the thing here was that they were creating some kind of different, unique, that, these clients wanted to come and check out. So when you were talking about the, the price, I agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do a price, what kind of client are you grabbing? Is that the client you even want to be grabbing, right. right? Like what is your what is your type of client that you're looking for? Right. So that being different, I think, is important in, in finding, you know, like, you know, what is that? What does that look like? And I love that you said about having, you know, like the inspiring and the passion yeah. <laughs> in your team. I, I, yeah, I agree with you on all of that. Well, and if you think about um, if you apply that concept, so first of all, what I love about what the restaurant did was the diff doing something different that created the Jiminy Cricket effect, right? Why haven't we been coming here for dinner all along? A discount of right. price, that's never going to make you say that. It's yeah. like, ah, they, I mean, they got me in for a low price, but you're, you know, you get what you pay for. I mean, free is another price tag. If I give you my book for free, it has no value. Mm -hmm. And and but when you make an investment in in something like that, you say I'm going to cherish this. I'm going to make this thing work for me. I'm invested in that. So I like what they did, um, and I like the fact that um, they wanted to create something different. So they did something different. And mm -hmm. and when you when you take the concept of different is better than best, people will say, you know, why haven't we been coming here for dinner all along? This is phenomenal. This is one of the best restaurants, and they'll spread the word. And you're no longer then then what happens and in sales, what happens is you're no longer a salesperson. You have now promoted mm -hmm. yourself to solution provider, consultant to all their problems. So I sell grease and lubrication. Now I sell Hewlett Packard solutions. But my customers yeah. bring me with them. I'm no longer knocking on the door. I'm making it easier. Right. Now, it takes practice and patience. And it's the long game. It really is the long game. Mm -hmm. And you have to be willing to go through that long game. Yeah, it has to be about, it has to really be about the customer experience. I Absolutely. believe it. I, I believe it has to be, how are you making their life easier? What are you doing to make their experience better and making their life easier? You just figure that out. Like right. whatever you're doing, just figure that out, you know, and you, you're going to be winning, right? And if you can do it, you know, get it, get it in a different way, but figure out how to do that. You know, it's funny, I'm putting this program together right now and, and I'm going through, 
Um, it's in different phases, but what I'm covering right now is really about the human condition because mm -hmm. you, we mentioned a lot. You said about self-worth, all of that. I mean, we can teach scripts all day long. We, I, I did that for years. We can teach people how to sell, but it really has to start internally because all of these things we're talking about now, right now really come from a place of internal worth. It has to come from here first. And so I, the, the last two calls I've been on today, we've been talking about solutions fitting human needs. Mm. And I'm right now smack dab in the building Maslow's hierarchy needs into my program and how businesses use that mm -hmm. to do their advertising. So when companies find solutions to human <laughs> needs, they, they feel those higher hierarchy of level of needs and in, in for humans, belonging, esteem, all of those things and eat their clients' complexities and do it in different ways. That's how they gain reputation. So all yeah. those things you said, I think are so true. And it is a long yeah. game. It's not a short, it's not a short, you know, let me sell you. This is why I tell coaches, you know, if you're giving away free eBooks and all these free things, and then you're trying to get somebody to buy your thousand dollar program, it's not, it's not going to happen. There's no, everybody's giving away a free ebook and you think we're going to get them from here to here now. There's been no belief or vision. Why would they buy your course just right. because you gave them a free ebook? Right. It's not going to happen. Right. No, that's so true. And I mean, I, I can look at my own children as an example when they were growing up. If I got them a laptop or I got them a cell phone, if it broke, it broke down, get me another one. But if they had to buy it or they had some money in the game, man, do they take care of it? Man, do they right? treat it well. And they were, they were invested in that process. And that's, mm -hmm. it's human nature. I mean, it's really human nature. And people do want to be on the winning side of things. And so, you know, I think the only way you do that is you, you get so sick and tired of what's happening to you now. And I can guarantee everybody's got a pain point where they go, you know what? It's hit or miss. I love the freedom of sales, but I'm I'm losing out on, on opportunities. Okay, well, you can have both, but you have to look at what causes your happiness gaps. And happiness yeah. gaps happen all the time. They happen in every relationship. Personal relationships, professional relationships, relationships with clients, relationships with yourself. And if you can identify what's causing the gap and how big is that gap, you can bridge that gap. And I really think it goes back to that quote in the beginning that I read where you can't ever expect to do anything better if you can't manage different. So, you know, people say they hate change. Well, everything's changing all the time. You may, you don't like the outcome of change because you've been a victim of it. But when you're a participant in the change, it's, it's exhilarating. And you do see your income goes up, your customer base goes up, your satisfied customers go up. Um, your, your abundance goes up and that's really what you're trying to build. You're trying to build an abundance. Sure. Sure. Well, this has all been good. I want to ask you one final question before sure. we get onto the fun here. What do you, you've said a lot of great things. So I, I think we don't even need to redo this, but I, I feel like you might have something to add to it. So what do you feel like you've learned about yourself in this journey? Yeah, I think, um, two things actually that I've learned. One is that, um, I myself, and probably a lot of people, but I myself have found the value of practicing patience. And we talked about that before. But, yes. But it is something to, I need to remind myself all the time to practice patience. The other real simple thing um, is that uh, being kind is better than being right. And, and I mean that in every aspect, being kind down the chain, up the chain, and parallel the chain. Kindness goes farther than being right. People, you know, people, you could be right and be kind, but you can let someone be wrong and still be kind. I think that goes a long way. 
um, especially when we're talking about a, a, a society that right now uh, is disconnected and there's a lot of focus on what makes us different and things like that. And I think if you can just add some kindness to the equation, it has far-reaching effects, much more than, well, I told you so. I was right. I told you so. And I think that's, a, that's an important lesson I've learned. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, you did mention the patients. Or I knew you'd have something else to add to it. That's why I wanted to ask that. But funny, I just had a conversation with a gal that works on leadership, and um, she was talking about this, you know, the, the effects of leaders wanting to be right, because they're so used to being right all the time that they almost become addicted to being right. And it's hard when you've got like your, your employees coming to you, especially if you have a creator coming to you and they're trying to bring something and they immediately get shot down. And she was actually talking about ways to present that communication so that it looks different. And I, and I really liked it because she said, you know, cause we're leaders and we get it. Sometimes we want to be right. Like we just feel like we're right. You know? So I've been on both ends. I've been on the end where, you know, at the side where I brought something and been shot down and I've been on the other end. I'm not going to be stupid and not admit that. But she said, you know, when you think of it from the perspective of things change, you have new knowledge now. So, you know, things that you can say to other people are, you know, I'm not seeing it, but prove me wrong. You know, right. I'm, I'm ears. I tell, prove me wrong, you know. And so it really was kind of nice how she twisted it because I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Then it becomes you're not shutting this other person down, being kind, right? You're not shutting this other person down, that they have the freedom to come to you with ideas, right? And now you can look at this from a different perspective. Of, you know, let me take that patience, come back a minute, you know, and, and maybe I'm not seeing it. Maybe I'm not going to take it and agree with it, but I'm going to at least let them say their idea. Yeah, their well, thought, I think that you know? leaders are right two times. The first time they're right is when they were they interviewed for that leadership position and were chosen to be in that position. The second time they were right was when they hired you. And mm, what, they, yeah, what they were saying then is, I know, Jennifer, you're now working for me, but really I'm working for you. So you're in my department. And the reason I'm right for hiring you is you're smarter and better than me at what you do. So prove me wrong or prove me right. And most leaders get, yeah, most leaders get in their own way because they want to be the authority on what's right as opposed to, this is my team. This is what I collected around me. Look how good they are. And again, if you're building abundance, I want to co-elevate those folks because that only co-elevates me. But I think people do, like you said, they get the I'm the king mentality and they have to be the one who says it or the one who wrote the email or the one who did this or that. And all that does is build resentment. And that's, that doesn't build teams. Yeah, that's good. All of this has been good. Thank you so much. All right. We got to do a few fun questions here. Not that these okay. have all these, this is great information. I yeah. think, you know, a lot of takeaways in here and uh, from the sales, they definitely, I need, we need to get, find out where to get your book. And I'm going to ask you that in just a few minutes, because sure. I'm sure some people are going to want to get a hold of that, but sure. we got to do a few rapid fire here today. Okay. Rapid so, fire. all right. They're meant to be short, but I'm not going to lie. They don't always stay short. Okay. <laughs> All right, so let's do this. Um, first concert you ever attended? First concert I attended, I want to say, was Styx back in the 1980s. And I actually slept outside to get tickets. And it was one of the best concerts I'd ever been to. Very cool. Very cool. I like Styx. Very cool. All right. Um, favorite travel destination? Let's see. My favorite travel destination that I've never been to, so where I want to go, is the Florida Keys. 
Um, I, but my favorite destination that I've been to has got to be Spain. It's just a beautiful country. Very cool. Very cool. One of the girls I'm working with right now is in Spain. So yeah, very cool. I always see her, her, her pictures outside. I'm like, yes. All right. Favorite, uh, guilty pleasure food. Favorite guilty pleasure food, uh, hands down is chocolate and peanut butter. Any combination. I like chocolate and peanut butter. Oh, yeah. I have, re I have recent whole, like they're not mine. We bought them for trick or treat and I don't eat. Like, I just yeah. don't eat that stuff. And they're like in my cabinet right oh, now. Yeah. Whole bag oh, of them. I'm with you. Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> they're like in there. I'm like not touching them. All right. Last fun question. What is in your Amazon cart right now? Let's see. In my Amazon cart, um, it's kind of boring, I think. It's it's flavoring for my soda stream water thing. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm addicted to my soda stream. I love making carbonated water, and I love different combinations of flavors. So I can't get enough of it. That's fun. I've never had anybody say that's a first. That's different. Haven't had. It. I love that question. Yeah. I find out the funniest things about what's in people's Amazon carts. I, I just, I think it's so fun. That's hilarious. All right, Pat, Patrick, this has been amazing. Thank you for all of the information. And of course, if our listeners want to learn a little bit more about you, PK Solutions Group, and, and to get your book, where do we want to send them? Yeah. So the, the simplest place is to go to pksolutionsgroup.com. That's my website. And there, We've got things in every price range. So for free, if people want to listen to our podcast, we've got nine seasons of our podcast. There's a button right there. Uh, you can hire our, our group for consulting. That's the more expensive end. And right in the middle, you can get our book. There's a, uh, it's called Sell the Difference. And you'll see it on every page of the website. And you can get the book. Um, and you even have you know, an ability to connect with me, the author. We talk, I talk to a lot of my readers. They have lots of questions. And you really, again, trying to be different. You don't get that with every author. You can't necessarily connect with them and have them expand into your own business. So pksolutionsgroup.com is the greatest way for any of the resources we have. But I'd encourage anybody to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit. Uh, I have a great network. I'd love to have if people need to meet other people. I'd love to connect people uh, and just love to get some new connections. Sure. All right. We'll make sure too when this goes out that we get your, you know, the website in there and get you tagged and all that good stuff. So perfect. I appreciate we'll, it. We'll make sure it's connected. Do want to say to our listeners, of course, if you enjoy our show, please be sure you give us a rating both on iTunes, Facebook. We can't do this without you. Hit that subscribe button on the YouTube. And we want to leave you with a final parting thought. In order to live the extraordinary, you must start. And every start begins with a decision. You guys take care, be safe, and be kind to one another. We will see you next time.